0: Well, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 32. We'll read down to verse 36. This really is a continuation from what we looked at last week. It's in the same section there of that includes the golden rule, and we recognize um, that the golden rule is almost universally praised, and yet it's scarcely truly followed, most people have a hard time following the golden rule. Last week, we began our look at the golden rule, looking at the commandments that are associated with it, the examples that Jesus gives in this sermon, and then he states the rule itself, as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. So here we'll see uh, that he provides further illustrations, more examples that he had already given in verses 29 and 30. The idea of one who um, strikes you on the cheek, offering him the other also. Um, And then verse 30, giving to everyone who begs from you and from the one who takes from you. Do not demand those goods back. Uh, He'll have a similar example here in verses 32 through 34. Uh, And then he'll state, just like he did in verse 31 where he states the golden rule, he'll state it again, but then from a divine perspective, be merciful in verse 36 there. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. And so the, the golden rule is a standard that many people see as good, but it's really the Christian alone who has that proper enabling and motivation to live according to its standard. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 4 Actually, we'll go back to verse 3. He says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of the sinful desire. So, Really, it's through that partaking of the divine nature, it's through our union with Christ that we are capable of doing what he has called us to here in the Golden Rule. And I think the proper perspective to have, in, at least in this section, is that the only satisfying response to mercy that's been received is to extend mercy to others. Right? When we consider how much mercy God has shown to us, the natural response of a believing person is to respond by showing mercy to others, generously showing mercy. So let's ask the Lord for his help in understanding this passage, and then we'll read. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, again, your word. We thank you for this opportunity, once again, to look at a rule that is oftentimes cited and rarely practiced. Even the world recognizes the value of a society that would use this as their standard. Any culture that could follow this rule would be filled with peace and joy and unity and yet we know that ar- around the world wherever this rule is even upheld and and desired uh, it is it is met with failure and so we see that in our own lives we desire to live accordingly um, and yet we we too oftentimes in our flesh um, and in our weakness are unable to love others the way we would have them love us and treat them the way that we would want them to treat us and to show mercy to those who haven't done anything to deserve it. And yet, the very act of showing mercy is to give it to those who don't deserve it. And so help us, as we ponder these things uh, this afternoon, help us to take the conviction we receive, which is probably inevitable inevitable for all of us, um, to you in repentance and help us to respond with faith and a joy and a desire um, by the power of the Spirit to live according to your word. It's in Christ's name we ask it, amen. So read with me, Luke chapter 6, verses 32 through 36. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Amen. We open here with these verses 32 through 34, reflecting upon the grace of the gospel, and the fact that, really, if we've received grace then we will have a transformed outlook upon others. We will not treat others the way we used to treat them. We won't simply give to those who give to us or do good to those who are kind to us. Um, if you act no different than the world, then how are you really portraying the power of the gospel? Right? If, if, if you say you believe what, that the gospel is the power of God, then it should have an impact on the way that you treat others. And that principle that guides the actions of Christians should be different than the principles that guide even the best deeds of sinners, right? Those who know grace show grace to others. It's like those who have been forgiven much love much. And so, in fact, we have a responsibility to the outside world by these uh, verses, right? The, The commission we've received involves displaying grace to them, showing grace. Um, This is the early church father I mentioned earlier, Quesnel. He says this, a man ought to tremble with fear if beside the external part of his religion he finds nothing in his life but what may be found in a Turk or a heathen. So if there's nothing different other than the external practice of religion, Right? We're, we're just like our neighbor in every way, except we do call ourselves Christians, and we do go to church, and we do read the Bible instead of other things. All right? Those are external factors, but if there's nothing in the life that's different, then Quesnel says, a man ought to tremble with fear. The idea is that grace, gospel grace, compels us to change old patterns of love. All right? we, we have a higher standard now. We We don't simply love those who love us or do good to those who are good to us. No, we love not because of what we will get out of the relationship, but we love others because God loved us. And because we saw his love towards us even when we hated him, that gives us the ability to love others who do not show the same kindness to us. Now, that grace, in part, is our participation in the reward of the son. And there's verse 35, he says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. The idea is that part of our motivation to live according to this standard is because of the reward of our adoption, because we've become sons of the Most High. And so we we don't... Live according um, to the, or actually, if you think about living according to the, rule, the golden rule every day, and you say, I'm going to do this to everyone I meet, no matter what. I think oftentimes we think, well, we're just going to be taken advantage of, right? Others going to find out, hey, that guy always turns his cheek when he's punched, go hit him, you know, or we'll get beaten up, or that guy always gives money when you ask him for it. And he never asks you to pay him back, so they'll go and do that, and they'll take you. You'll just be taken advantage of, and you can think of scenario after scenario of how you'll be taken advantage of, and that ends up clouding the way we even hear the rule. But Jesus wants us to have our sights not set upon being taken advantage of, not being fearful, but have our sights upon the spiritual benefits, to be thinking about the eternal reward. That awaits the reward of adoption that motivates us to live like sons. This is Ephesians 5 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. We imitate God because we're his children, right? So, when we're out of accord with the Father's will, we need to be reminded that as his children, we want to please him, right? And part of how we worship him is by. Imitating him. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up, gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so I, do th- I recognize that for many of us, it, it kind of grates our values to give monies to those who are irresponsible, to give gifts to those who take it and squander it. You know, you think about the prodigal, son and the, the father giving him his inheritance early, and look what he did. He squandered it. I'm not going to let that happen to my son. So we, we refuse that kind of generosity, and yet there was a bigger principle at stake there, and it was the father showing his love for his children in that parable, right? That God was showing how he loved us even when we were not responsible individuals, with that love, and if we always operate by the values of sort of being good stewards and not and 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 only being generous to those who are responsible with the gift, I think we can fall into a hardened sense of reality, sort of becoming skeptical and cynical about everyone and everything. In fact, in the in the movie um, "All the Money in the World," that tells the story of Jay Paul Getty, um, and you know. It, you probably know he was an oil tycoon. Uh, I think one of, if not the richest man in the world at the time. Um, and his grandson was kidnapped. And there was speculation about whether or not his grandson had set it up as a ruse just to get money out of his grandfather. And so J. Paul Getty refused to do anything. He just ignored the pleas and for ransom, Um that his grandson's mom was, was sending to him. Well, in the end, he does say that he'll provide ransom money, but only up to the amount that he could receive a tax break upon that money. So it's sort of like, I'll, I'll give the set amount that the U.S. will give me a tax break. So only as much as it benefits me, that's how much I'll give. Even for his own grandson, it turns out that it was very clear by by the end of this kidnapping that that it had turned bad, and whatever setup had originally been planned, um, I mean he he lost part of his like, he lost a finger in the process, and and or his ear, his ear that was what was sent um, to his mom, and so there was it was clear evidence that his. Grandson was in danger, even at the end, he still refused to give any more than he could benefit from. And and I know that's an extreme example, but it's actually, it seems to have been a true account of the story. Um, but we are called to be different, all right? We know that we have not only present joys, but an, inter- an eternal inheritance that can never be stolen, can never be taken away. Uh, The Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 34 says, Adoption is an act of God's free grace, whereby we are received into the number and have a right to all the privileges of the sons of God. So, recognition of that adoption, recognition of who we are in Christ as, as brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior, as children of God, we have a heavenly Father, we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and can never be taken away, never be stolen from us, that compels us to live generously. And that confidence ultimately leads to this reflection upon God's mercy, the mercy of the Father, the mercy of the Father who showed kindness to us when we were ungrateful and evil, right, verse 30, the second part of verse 35 Your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. He extends that mercy to those who really aren't prepared to receive it, those who have done nothing to deserve it, and that's us, right? While we were ungrateful, while we were evil, we... He showed us mercy. Now, think about this. The fact that the golden rule applies to you implies that 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 ingratitude and that sort of uh, evil heart has now been transformed so that we are filled with so much gratitude and so much joy and goodness that we desire to share with others. Right, because of God's mercy, we desire to be merciful. And the more we recognize his mercy, the more we operate by that new standard. So the children belonging to the covenant family are to imitate their heavenly father. And we see this even back in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2. Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Right? As, as we come to know God, we begin to imitate his attributes, his communicable attributes. Not everything about God can we experience, but when it comes to his mercy, his love, his generosity, there's a taste of that in each one of us because we have become partakers of his divine nature. And so it's inevitable that we'll express that same kind of grace and mercy to others. And so as we said last week, and and you can go back and listen to that again, we talked about the fact that there are exceptions to these standards. The golden rule doesn't eliminate good stewardship. There's still passages, and when you take the whole counsel of God's word, you're to be responsible with the resources God has given you. Uh, it doesn't eliminate accountability. So when you're generous uh, to, to an individual, and they come back a moment, you know, the next day and want more, it doesn't mean you don't have some sort of standard or requirements for them to meet in order to continue to receive from your generosity, right? That, otherwise, you're just enabling them. Right? And so that, that also is, is not eliminated by the golden rule. And I don't think it eliminates self-defense either, even though we said it, it talks about turning the other cheek. The idea that he's, he's getting across in this rule is that we are to be so transformed that we display God's love to a watching world. And if they only see us acting in, in, in these ways of self-defense and good stewardship and accountability, then how will they ever know grace and mercy? I will they ever understand that? And So, if we stick to a literal interpretation of these illustrations, it will lead to very absurd conclusions. Right? Live like this every day, and you will quickly find yourself naked, broke, and wounded. Right? There's, there's no doubt about it. And in fact, if you look throughout the rest of the Gospels, Jesus does not operate in a wooden, inter, you know, um, obedience to this standard, right? He was struck on the cheek by his abusers, and he said, why did you hit me? He doesn't turn his other cheek and say, hit me again. Uh, my go- the golden rule tells me that I'm supposed to do it this way. That's, that's, that's not the, the point of the principle, to be woodenly interpret- in- interpreted. The goal, however is not to create such a safe environment that we can never be taken advantage of. Because if we're always fearful that people are gonna take advantage of our mercy, take advantage of our grace, then really quickly we become J. Paul Getty. We become the guy who, who won't budge even for his own family. And when we receive the undeserved mercy of God and when we display that mercy To those who have nothing to offer in return, who can only receive from us, who can't give back in any way, well, we've really become a living witness of the gospel. And isn't that what we're called to be? So the grace of the gospel changes us and it places a a higher ethic upon us. And the reward of the son motivates us to follow that ethic, imitating the mercy of the father. And so Jesus knew what it was like to spend every waking minute healing and teaching and his instructions to live a life of generosity comes from experience. And he wasn't just telling us to do something he himself didn't know full well, how, how hard it was. So his instructions to live a life of generosity come from experience. He was exempl- uh, it was exemplified fully at the end of his life, right? When he was stripped when his clothes were stolen from him, when he was beaten and mocked and ultimately crucified. And what does he do? Instead of retaliating, instead of defending himself, he loves his enemies. And in chapter 23, verse 34, he says this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, And in fact, one of those who had been condemning him, one of the thieves on the cross, ends up hearing this promise, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The one who repents and expresses faith in him as the son of God finds mercy. And as he responded in this way, he displays perfectly the mercy of his father. In John 14, 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Right? And when we when we witness the grace and mercy that Jesus shows to his accusers, to his enemies, we see the mercy of the Father that was extended to us. And that motivates us and compels us to go and do likewise to a world that cannot Return that same mercy in our direction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this challenging rule, this golden rule.